AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Well, it was a nice five-day run, but soybeans and corn finally take a breather while wheat claws back gains. Another day of new highs for the move in both cattle and hogs with some higher cash cattle trade out in the country. And fourth quarter GDP comes in above expectations. Live on the wings of pigs via Farm Journal broadcast of This is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll begin with a conversation with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, filling in for Chip, welcome Michelle Rook. Thanks, Davis. And whatever you're on today, I want some of it. <laughs> um, I am hearkening back to a conversation that I did not overhear you have with Oliver Slope, but that may or may not have resulted in him mentioning pigs flying in today's commentary. We're going to have to wait and oh. see, Michelle. So you're giving us what it would sound like if pigs fly? Or? I'm pulling the future forward is what I'm doing. It's just one of the okay. things that we do here. Cool. You know, it's just just one of our functions. No doubt. No doubt. Well, I'm glad you are right ahead of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had an orange. Maybe that's what it is. The citrus has got me all riled okay. up. Yeah. Okay. It could be that. I was thinking it might be something else, but you go with citrus. Okay. Citrus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we had a nice uh, run here in the grains and a little bit of a buzzsaw we ran into on soybeans today. A pretty tough down day. Yeah. And Well, I think, you know, I don't know. And I've got some details in the news i guess the one that that really confused me um because we had bean meal and bean oil both of them both lower. that down. soybean meal yep. super sharply lower okay so double digit losses in soybeans that makes sense to me soft red wheat up call it a penny and a half ish hard red wheat up 11 in the front month there up eight in the in the may i mean this is i don't know i i can't make sense of the wheat complex any thoughts uh, I would say spread unwinding or spread adjustments inner class. Okay. And maybe when I can't figure out weed, I always say China rumors, rumors of China business. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me make sure and get that into my news copy here. Also China rumors. Well, it's true. I always, Jim McCormick and I will laugh about that when he gets on here, but we always say, you know, I look all over for fundamental reasons for these markets moving and then I should just always write a little sticky note up by my computer that says China rumors. And I'm going to remember that. That's a good journalism yeah. tip right there. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just experience, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to also chalk the lower day in soybeans meal and maybe even oil up to exports weren't great this morning. And then yeah. basis levels in Brazil have just collapsed. We talked about that with Arlen yesterday, but it's really, I think the market is noticing that today and maybe a little change in the forecast there as well in Argentina and Brazil. So that might be part of it as well, but wow, yeah, look at the yeah. cattle and hogs go. Oh yeah. 
It's crazy. It's crazy what we saw. You know, we saw that gap higher in the hog market. And you know what? Yep. Uh, we're going to run out of time here. Let me let me start at the top you, of the news here. We'll go. see how far we get. Go, go, go. SRW wheat futures worked slightly higher initially this morning, but buyer interest dried up given strength in the U.S. dollar and a lack of supportive news. Hard red winter wheat contracts led gains with gains in nearby's well outpacing deferreds. USDA reported net wheat sales of 451,000 metric tons during the weekend of January 18. That's down 36% from the previous week, but it's up 45% from the four-week average. World Weather Inc. reports ongoing concern about possible crop damage from recent bitter cold in the northwestern plains. Also, China rumors. March HRW wheat futures 11 and one quarter cents higher, 637. March SRW wheat gained one and one half cent to 612 and a quarter. March spring wheat closed at 7.09. That's up four and a half today, Michelle. My story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, after notching modest gains yesterday, the corn market followed soybeans to the dark side of unchanged. USDA reported net corn sales of nearly 955,000 metric tons for 23-24. That's during the weekend of Jan 18. That's down 36% from the previous week. March futures are supported just above the 10-day moving average of 4.47 and a quarter, while the 20-day moving average of 4.56 and a quarter serves as resistance. March corn futures dribbled one half cent lower to 4.51 and three quarters. May corn down one and one quarter cent to 4.61 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 4.69 and a quarter. That's up one and one half cent today. Yeah, and I think soybeans were the real culprit pulling down corn today. Well, a soy meal nosedive alongside pressure on soybean oil gave soybean futures little recourse but to sag deep into negative territory. USDA reported net soybean sales just shy of 570,000 metric tons for the weekend of Jan 18. That's down 28% from the previous week. And, Michelle, it was well below the bottom end of the range of pre-report trade yeah. guesses. March soybeans did drop back below the 10-day moving average with the next area of support all the way down at last week's low. 1201. March beans careened 17 and one quarter cents lower to 1223. May beans 16 and one quarter cents lower, 1230 and one quarter. July beans closed at 1237 and one half down, 15 and one quarter cents today, Michelle. Yeah, and we talked about the culprits for the soybean market. We'll get into details with Jim coming up. Well, March cotton firmed 36 points to 8576. Let's hit these livestocks quickly. Wholesale beef values fell yesterday, but sources reported initial cash cattle trade around 174 in Texas, which would be up a buck from last week's Texas bids. For the weekend of Jan 18, USDA reported net beef sales of 22,400 metric tons for 2024. February live cattle stampeded $2.37 and one half higher to 177.72 and a half. March feeders shot $4.40 higher to 238.17 and a half. And after a gap higher open, uh, lean hogs for the weekend of Jan 18, uh, USDA reported net pork sales 24,100 metric tons for 2024. Feb hogs gained 40 cents, 74.30. The April contract is up 52 and a half today, 82.55. Michelle. Yeah, I, I also had some cash trade in the south on cattle up to 175. So oh, looky there. All right. Yeah, you bet. All right. Here with today's price action, Oliver Slope Blue Line Futures. Oliver, you and I yesterday talked about great chart action in both cattle and hogs. Hogs taking out those November highs. Wow. Yeah, very impressive. And uh, you were right about the, the firmer cash trade certainly helped and uh, get people reinvigorated to the buy side, especially the funds. And we talked about that yesterday, only net long about 13,000 futures and options contracts and that allowing them some powder to the ad if we do get some bullish news. And today we got that. I 
been working with some clients. They were selling cattle 175 down in Texas. Hearing in Western Nebraska bids 176 and um, looking at sellers up at 178. So certainly some silver linings here. Uh, as far as the chart and the technicals go, we're—I mean—we're only a stone's throw away from that 50% retracement in the April contract from those lofty highs up near 200 from the recent lows. That comes in near 183. So I think that's going to be a big line in the sand for the market going forward. Potentially, we can get some follow through uh, that pushes us up there into the weekend. But my concern, if we get there, is we get this bullish news coming across the wire that becomes old news and maybe you start to see some profit taking and some hedgers step in at those levels. Cattle inventory maybe could get us there. You think it, it very well could be. Uh, it's okay. just, one, it's, it's like the cattle on feed report. It's just, it kind of depends. The markets and market participants have been very good at really pinpointing those estimates. So I think a lot of that's probably being baked into the cake baked as in. we speak. Lower day and beans. Was that just profit taking? Yeah, beans, you know, I, I think the concern is, is growing that, you know, Brazil's going to have a better crop than a lot of people were expecting. So I, it's a lot of hot air going back and forth, but uh, not a good look on, on the failure. No doubt. Cash basis levels in Brazil probably adding to that. Thanks, Oliver. Take care. You bet. Oliver Slope Blue Line Futures. Uh, we'll be back with Jim McCormick with agmarket.net. That's coming up here on Agritalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuckwagon Cafe number one. Karen! Karen! You ever watch Goodfellas, Michelle? I actually did not. Okay, fair enough. I am really bad. I don't watch a lot of TV, period. I I make TV. I just don't watch it, okay? Okay, yeah. I'm on TV. You just don't watch it. That makes sense. That makes sense. You want to, you know, you want to, you want to be your own broadcaster. That's not bad. 
I should well, stop listening to the radio. I think it's just I don't have enough time to watch TV, and I don't want to get sucked <laughs> into some you know, I know, I know show that I can't go watching. Well, yeah, next thing you know, you're binging, and then you're streaming for like the next month and a half, and uh, it just never ends. It never ends. I know. I don't need advice. I really don't. <laughs> Well, it is uh, great to have Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, joining us this afternoon. Uh, Jim and I talk often, and um, pleasure to have you with us this afternoon, Jim. How you Good doing? afternoon. Good afternoon, Michelle. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. So I want to start off talking about these GDP numbers this morning because uh, we did have some money flow going on in the commodity sector as a result of the GDP numbers that came out, and they were actually better than expected, weren't they? They were quite better. I think the average forecast is about 2%. We got 3.3% print. The reality is the vast majority of the trade got the GDP wrong this last year. I mean, remember, Michelle, about a year ago for now, the question was, wasn't would we have a recession? It was how deep of a recession might we have? And this just right. shows we didn't. And that's a very strong number. And I think you look at the stock market trading at or very near all-time highs, I think that's partly a reflection of the consumer spending. He has just continued to spend way more than people thought. And that, I think that is also part of the reason why the cattle market cattle caught a bid today, because it shows you right now, despite what the trade is thinking, the consumer is definitely willing to spend the money he's making right now. Right. All right. So we get PCE out tomorrow and then the Fed meets next week. They're not going to do anything in terms of changing interest rates, but they're going to give us some guidance. What do you think they're going to say? I think they're going to lean that they're going to be at a pause. I don't. I think they're going to hint at they're not going to be ready to cut just yet. That famous dot plot that you get where they kind of come out and suggest where they meet, where yeah. they may be down the line. We do not get one of those till the next Fed meeting. So we don't get one this one. So I think it's going to be more of a pause phase, Michelle. And I think that's the reason why it's probably pretty good for that reason, because of what's going on. You have the drought going on. In the obviously affecting Panama Canal, their shipping, you know, capacity is down by a third. You got what's going on in the Red Sea. Some of the people who are hoping to get through the Panama Canal or couldn't get through the Panama Canal, excuse me, Michelle, will say, hey, we'll use the Red Seas. Now they can't do that. That is driving up the cost of shipping everything. And as you might recall, Michelle, part of the inflationary push we had here a couple of years ago was because of the, you know, essentially the breakdown of the flow of goods around the world due to the pandemic. So I think the feds, that's really going to keep the fed on their heat, you know, on their toes of not cutting too soon. Fearful that this inflation genie, which you're trying to shove back in the bottle will pop back out if they're, if they cut too quick. So projections of six rate cuts, maybe throughout 2024, is that reality? My opinion, I think it's too optimistic. I would say maybe half that when it's all said and done, unless, you know, something changes. But with the stock, you know, I think they got to be a little bit leery. But, you know, we'll see what it is. Like I said, right now, though, I think the odds of them cutting it on this next report or this next meeting is about 50-50 is the last number I saw. So flip right. of a coin at this point. Yeah. And it is, like you say, supply chain disruption, shipping costs higher. That's part of it. Energy costs are going to factor into that as well, aren't they? Energy is going to do it. Now, the energy market overall is, you know, if you need a consumer of energy, it's been pretty amazing when you think about it. You got crude oil, it's up today, but it's still below $80 in the U.S. when you consider what's going on in the Middle East. But that just shows you what we can do here as America as we're producing max amount of crude oil or record amounts of crude oil, I should say. But even that's starting to firm back up a little bit because of what's going on in the Middle East. 
right now. And there is fears that that war could expand. And if it does expand, it will drive energy prices higher. That is inflationary. So that's one other reason why I think the Fed is going to pause and this idea they're going to cut sooner rather than later. I just don't buy it at this point. I think it's going to be later rather than sooner, unfortunately. So last year, the last 18 months, we had this exodus of money basically out of being long in a lot of commodities. Um, do we stay that way through 24 or is there something that changes that and brings them back in or is there anything that could? Well, you saw a little bit of an uptick in the index buying here the last couple of weeks. I think that was more of a little bit of a rebalancing that you're seeing. But I would guess, Michelle, if you're looking for that index long only fund coming in here to buy commodities as inflation hedge, I don't see that anytime soon. But if we do start seeing these rate cuts like a lot of people are anticipating could develop, I think that will attract money in. Because remember, when you look at the stock market, it is at all time highs. Commodities right. in general are relatively cheap historically to stocks. So are you going to see a little bit of money move away from stocks to commodities? But the other thing we need to keep an eye on, Michelle, there's something estimated $7 trillion of money, not in the stock market, but literally sitting on the sidelines. A lot of it's in a money market. But if they start lowering these interest rates, that sideline money that's collected on the money market is not going to look as attractive. They're going to start looking for homes. And that may be the impetus to drive money into the commodities because commodities, like I said, they do look relatively cheap compared to other, you know, other investments. Yeah. You mentioned the stock market at all time highs. S&P um, has just been on a rant here. You know, from a chart perspective only, do you look at a chart and think, man, this thing is going to go a lot higher or not? Well, I think right now you're looking at, you know, a little bit overbought technically, okay. but I think it's got more room to go. I think it could probably get a little bit closer to, you know, closer to 5,000 on an S&P. It just, the momentum's there. I mean, the real question is you've got a lot of people are fear of missing out money coming back in. So I do think it's got a little bit more up, upside potential. Then you probably will get a correction somewhere down the line because we are overbought. But right now, I mean, I would argue, you know, you kind of got a Goldilocks for the Fed right now. You got unemployment low. Uh, wages are growing faster inflation. You got consumer confidence that came out from Michigan as some of the best consumer confidence we've seen in years. The, the, the December, November increase was the best since the mid 90s. So you got the consumer comfortable spending. You got the wage growth going, unemployment down. Those are, you know, if you're if you're in the industry of owning and trying to, you know, owning a company and trying to sell goods to, you know, people, I think you got to feel pretty optimistic, at least at the moment. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, it is a presidential election year, though. So it'll be interesting to see if that tempers the Fed action at all. It's not supposed to, but sometimes, unfortunately, it does. Um, OK, so the dollar was up today. That was because of the GDP numbers, too. I think that and it also probably had a little bit to do with the European Central Bank. They left interest rates alone uh, you know, unchanged. And that might have had a little bit of impact on right. the dollar after breaking yesterday in front of the European Central Bank. A little bit of a bounce back. And the crude oil market back up today almost looked like we're trying to break out of this sideways pattern here. Are we attempting that? I think we're attempting to. We've taken out some near-term resistance. You took out the 200-day moving average here. You've taken out your December high made back there at right around Christmas time. The Houthis supposedly attacked and were able to hit a U.S. ship last night. I can't confirm that. I never saw that in the news, but I heard that was a headline. So I think, like I said, you're putting a little bit of war premium back into the market, I would argue, as well. So confidence in the economy, good GDP number, war premium coming back into the energy market. Combination, crude oil is up today.
Gotcha. So as we said, GDP numbers, part of the equation for live cattle and feeder cattle futures making new highs for the move here today. But also we did have better cash trade, right? So, you know, how far does this market go now? Because we're right at that 50% retracement level. I was looking at this April. Once we got through the 50-day last week, I thought we had a shot to make a decent move. Like I said, we're hit the 50% retracement. Your 100-day moving average on the April cattle is 183. Your 200 days is 184. I think that could be your target to go. Like I said, you know, we'll see what the cattle inventory numbers say. But, you know, the tighter cash, the we don't know the, you know, the amount of beef that is being produced is down because of the storms and the cold weather the last couple of weeks. So you got a tighter supply. You got a consumer still showing he wants to spend. Hopefully that's going to continue to drive money into the cattle market and drive these futures higher. Yeah. And cash trade up to as much as I heard 175 in the South. I've even heard of um, some people passing in the North up here saying, hey, we're going to wait for 280. We had some 277 to 277.50 as well. But the boxes have also really been on a nice run. We were a little bit lower today, but that has been helping, hasn't it? Those it has. I mean, it, the packer margins are there and the boxes are, you know, the packers are making money. They feel like they can spend more. Like I said, if they're able to drive that price up, that also will tell me that, the you know, they're able to sell that product to, you know, essentially the restaurant industry, which means they are continuing to see demand, even though uh, pretty amazingly consider, you know, how cold it's been. A lot of, a lot of people's Christmas bills are coming due, but still optimism. So that's a good sign. You mentioned the cattle inventory report just quick. Do you think we've priced a lot of that in already? I would guess we have priced it in, I think, you know, but in general, it won't have a big impact. It's where the cash market goes near term. That'll be the biggest driving of the near term cash price. Okay, we'll talk about that. The big plunge in the soybean market and we're hogs following cattle today. That's all coming up here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March HRW wheat futures were 11 and one quarter cents higher today, 637 at the close. March SRW wheat gained one and one half cent to 612 and one quarter. March corn futures were one half cent lower today, 451 and three quarters. May corn softened one and one quarter cent to 461 and one quarter. March soybeans careened 17 and one quarter cents lower to 12.23. May soybean futures 16 and one quarter cents lower, 12.30 and one quarter. March cotton firmed 36 points, 85.76. February live cattle stampeded two bucks, 37 and one half higher to 177.72 and a half. Look out for March feeders up four dollars 40 cents, 238.17 and one half. February lean hogs up 40 cents, 74.30. Try profarmer.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car 
steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Well, if you are just tuning in, uh, you're listening to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Flory today. And uh, we'll continue our conversation with Jim McCormick with agmarket.net and we kind of left off talking about how we had such a great technical day in the cattle, but we also had a strong technical close in the hog market as well. Is the rally that we've seen here in the hogs, um, is this all technical in nature? I would argue it's definitely some of it, a good chunk of it's technical in nature. You're taking out moving averages, took out the 100 day, two days ago, took out the 200 day yesterday, Michelle. So you're getting some technical buying little bit of coattail riding from the cattle as well. And then lastly, I think you got to look at China. Their stock market's trying to pop up a little bit. Their story early in the week was China was forcing their producers to liquidate. And that tends to happen. You know, people make the emotional emotional decisions at the top and the bottom. China's forcing their producers to liquidate. So maybe that's enough to kind of put the bottom into the Chinese hog market as well. And that might have gave us a little bit of boost as well. Yeah. April hogs taking out the November highs here, but how much farther do you think we can push this thing? I would argue that I think we're getting close. I think we're technically overbought at this point in time. So we're going to have to see some sales, especially on the weekly sales. I mean, like I said, if people are buying this on anticipation of maybe China is going to buy some pork, you now got to get China to actually come in and buy the pork at this point in time. Otherwise, you'll get a correction back down due to the overbought scenario we're developing. Yeah, and exports weren't too bad this morning, about 24,000 metric tons, but we would like to see those better than that, obviously. Okay, so the back months of the hogs, we're, we're putting a premium in there. We're over $95 on the June. I mean, what's your thoughts about the, I guess, trajectory of this hog market? We've had 18 months of, you know, some of the worst prices or margins in basically in history. Are we at profitable levels on those back months or even in the front where $20 cheaper there? I don't think you're quite there yet. I mean, I, I think you've still got a problem. I mean, right now, the real problem for producers, like I said, they've lost so much money right now. They feel like the market's got to go even higher to try to pay off last year's problems. So uh, it's going to struggle. I mean, the reality is we, you know, it all comes down to demand. Uh, and, you know, can we get above those levels? I don't know if we're quite there yet, Michelle. Okay. So let's talk about this soybean market. We had a nice run off of the the lows. I think March low was like 1201 and we had what a 40 cent run there or a little bit more than that. So today down 17 and a quarter cents on the March bean. So is this, did we run up into chart resistance or what was the problem? 
I think part of it was to chart resistance. The You got the 20-day moving average on that March beans right there at about 1249. We got the 47 and a half in the overnight market, so we couldn't quite eclipse it. So that was part of it. And then I think part of the problem is if you look at what's going on with our competition, that competition being Brazil, their cash prices are really starting to slide hard. And as you're looking at that narrative, what's out there, Michelle, the USDA put what? The Brazilian crop at 157. I think Conab's at 155. A lot of the trades down there at 150. But you have a few outliers that are saying 140, 135. Well, with the way the basis and the cash market is sliding so hard down in Brazil right now, I think you're getting the trade believing it's maybe the Conab USDA number over 150 is a little bit more accurate. Because right now, if you're China, and you're looking at price and beans in Feb, March, April's time slot, you can essentially buy them from Brazil about $2 plus cheaper than the U.S. when you figure in all the costs, including taxes. So, you know, right now, the reality is we're just not price competitive. Yeah, I thought I saw it was $2 cheaper in Brazil. And so to me, that just says, hey, we have beans and these problems that we keep hearing about in the Twitter pictures that we keep seeing, maybe they're not real accurate. I mean, the market always usually tells you the truth, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, what the market's telling you right now in Brazil, at least on the cash market, is they think they've got an abundance of beans coming at them right now, and they are putting them on sale. So the cash market right now is essentially saying that rhetoric of that crop being down below 150, 140, 135, it is not accurate. Now, if we get through the harvest and we get in there, we find out the beans are not there, then you're probably going to set this market up for one heck of a rally back up. But right now, um, you know, they're putting them on fire sale at this point in time. And that's not a good indicator for us to get demand at the moment. I mean, we might pick up a little bit of demand from the Brazilian, not excuse me, from the Chinese government, the Sino grain buyers. The Chinese government does like to buy us beans, interesting enough, Michelle, because our beans store better than the Brazilian beans. So, you know, the government will, re, you know, they're buying to, re, you know, essentially replenish their reserves, they'll buy U.S. beans. But if you're a crusher right now, there's no reason, unfortunately, to buy U.S. beans. They're, you know, they're getting the best deal out of Brazil. And I think that's part of the reason why the market gave up uh, so much of the near-term gains here today. Of course, uh, you have told me uh, there was some fear a couple of weeks ago when our price dropped that maybe we'd, we would see some China cancellations. But if the Chinese government is the one that's buying it or the government agencies, there's less likelihood of those being canceled. Is that right? That is what the history is. I mean, the history is that this, this famous China buys and then cancels it that we know of. That tends to be done by the crushing industry as they're trying to, you know, manage margins, walk away from it. The government, Sinograin, traditionally, and that's who's been the buyer of the Chinese buying beans that we understand from the U.S., that is the government buying for the reserves. They tend to buy it, forget it, move on. So hopefully we don't get any cancellations. Yeah, hopefully we don't. But certainly that was a consideration here as we um, got that price to drop. You know, what is your thought here about the meal and the oil market being down so hard today. You know, I know we've talked about Argentina maybe being a little bit drier. That looked like it put a little bit under the meal market the last couple of days. Did that change? Is that part of the story today? 
Well, I think it's a little, I think it changed a little bit. They are going to get really hot. They are going to get really dry here as we wrap up the month of January. But some of the models this morning were trying to pull some rain in, I believe roughly February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And that might have been enough to kind of push the meal back down because it's the same situation. We have, so you know, we were the only meal provider in town there when Argentina had the half a crop, but their crop rebounding like it is, they're trying to grab back that meal share. The bean oil, I'll be honest with you, it's been incredibly frustrating. A lot of people were very optimistic bean oil about a year ago, looking for this renewable diesel demand to start coming in and driving the price of bean oil up as these plants come online. We just have not seen that come to fruition yet. I think you do have to be optimistic that this bean oil demand switching to renewable diesel, it will come. It's just not there yet. Yeah, I think that's a little bit over the horizon, but under 50 cents, boy, this looks too, soybean oil looks too cheap, actually. I would argue it is. I mean, right now, I think you're probably going to see in general, you'll find people coming here eventually to buy the, buy the oil, sell the meal, especially as that Argentina crop ramps up and they start getting more and more aggressive selling meal onto the world market. That may be the trade that people start coming in. As we start hearing more people talk about bringing renewable diesel online, you just had that new plant that was what, offered or just they announced or essentially came online, I guess I should say, in Georgia yesterday, which is going right. to make reno- you know, diesel as well as um, you know airline fuel. And that's SAF, the storyline yes. you need. Yeah, the SAF. That's what you need to get this bean oil to start uh, putting the bottom in, I believe, those kind of headlines. Yeah, except they're going to use uh, Brazilian sugarcane for their source to start with. So not so much on the soybean oil side, but hopefully that'll eventually ramp up. Um, demand, soybean export demand, uh, if I look at the weekly total, we are still down 18% from a year ago. Exactly. And I think if you look at it right now, you take where we're at, combine what we were talking about earlier with the price of beans in Brazil, that probably means when it's all said and done, Michelle, we probably got some demand cuts on the export on balance sheet revisions down the line. Maybe not in February, maybe March, but eventually I think unless something changes and I don't know what's going to change, demand for export demand for beans looks unfortunately like it's a little bit overstated, which means they'll cut that demand and that'll be added to the ending stock, which just kind of adds to the negative tone of the overall bean market. So we had some profit taking, as you mentioned today, but do we kind of car, do we have a 50 cent range now that we just kind of bounce back and forth in until we know definitively what that Brazil crop size is? That's, I think you nailed it, Michelle, right there. I think you, you took the words out of my mouth. I think we are right there at about a 50 cent range. I think you'll find buyers down near 12 on the idea that, Hey, maybe this sub 140 crop is accurate. And then you get up near, you know, you get up near today's highs up near 1250. You're going to get sellers say, look, you know, the cash market suggesting it's a 150 plus crop. And I think we're going to probably bounce around there until we get a definitive answer. And that definitive answer will be when the, you know, when they start harvesting this crop at full tilt. You bet. So the corn market, we had a five day run here. Did that market also see profit taking today? I mean, did we hit chart resistance or was this just a function of this bean market being down as hard as it was? I would argue there's a little bit of chart resistance. You had those lows on January, roughly the 8th and 9th, right around that 451 and three quarters level on the March contract. We got to 53 and a quarter. But I think probably more than anything, it was the bean market, the meal market, the oil market pulling corn down. I think the fact is we closed above the 10-day moving average. We closed above the short-term downtrend line that we've kind of been trading since the latter part of December. I think that hopefully will open the door to at least test the 20-day moving average. 
which is about 456 and a half. And then you got the 50 day at 472. There's a story potentially for corn, Michelle. The Safrina corn crop hasn't even been planted yet. Right. If it does get planted late because of Brazilian, because of the wet weather in the north, they can't get the beans out. Theor- theoretically, you could run out of water. That's what happened a couple of years ago. So you've got some risk premium to come in there. The other thing I'm looking at, unfortunately, is a U.S. producer right now. If you're doing balance sheets for your 24, 25 crop with these corn trading 475, if you're on a normal basis, you're not making money. So that might generate a kind of a, hey, we're losing corn acres, buy it kind of rally we're looking for. Okay, so maybe less corn acres in both uh, the second crop, Safrina, and U.S. corn. All right. Good stuff. We'll talk to Jim in the fourth segment a little bit about wheat. And then I also want to talk about marketing strategies for 2024. That's coming up here on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuck Wagon Cafe number one. And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook, and we're going to continue our conversation with Jim McCormick with agmarket.net. Well, we've covered pretty much all of the main commodities today with the exception of the wheat market. And Davis and I were talking earlier about, um, you know, what kind of supported the wheat market here today. And it looked like we had some interclass spreads, but I also saw some uh, China rumors on Twitter about maybe them coming in or sniffing around for some business. Are you hearing anything like that? I have heard a little bit of rumors of it like that, and it would not surprise me if they did. They have been buyers of wheat the last couple months. Their supplies are tight. Our U.S. supplies are tight. So I think you're seeing a little bit of that. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I think, yeah, you nailed it. You know, in general, the tight supplies in the Chicago wheat, not the Casey wheat, that spread kind of got a little bit of a whack today. The Casey obviously let us up. I had someone I think was definitely doing a little bit of rebalancing between the Chicago contract and the Casey contract. 
Yeah. So what's your sense in terms of how much more business we could see wheat wise from China? They do kind of fly under the radar. If you look at the weekly reports, sometimes there's a, a few cargoes that are in there. Well, hopefully we can get a little bit more. I think a lot's going to depend on how this world market comes out of the winter dormancy as we get into the two seasons, as we like to say, too wet, too dry, too cold. You know, if the world supply continues to tighten up, we've got wheat to sell. China will continue to come in and buy it. You know, China tends to be a buyer of price. Um, we've seen that, obviously, in the beans while we're losing some bean business. So right. hopefully that will continue. But some of it, Michelle, is just going to have to wait and see how does this crop look once it comes out of dormancy. Yeah. We talk about demand to being a problem for the wheat market. A lot of it's going to Russia. But are we also seeing the impact of what you said earlier in the show about shipping costs being up, especially in areas of Panama Canal, Red Sea, whatever? Well, there's no doubt about it. I think we're getting some of that bonus out of it. And then we'll see what's going on here in the out of the Ukraine right now. They've been actually able to get a lot of product out. But like I said, as that war kind of keeps going, dragging on, I think there is concern. But really, right now, it is just the cost of getting stuff around the world. Like I said, the Panama Canal is a problem, so it's hard to get it out of the Gulf. Then on the other hand, you know, the Middle East with that Red Sea, what's going on there? People essentially not wanting to go that part of the world. They've got to go around the Horn of Africa. That's adding a lot of costs and a lot of time. So people are definitely taking that into account when they're buying their their commodity needs who can not just get sell the product to them cheap, but how do they get it to them on the shipping, the cheapest, most affordable way? Yeah. I don't want to run out of time to talk about some marketing strategies. Um, I said I wanted to talk about new crop, but we have a lot of old crop out there on the corn side yet that has to be marketed too, right? Unfortunately, we do. I mean, the one thing we, our sister group, uh, JSA tells us, you know, from their context in the cash market, the farmer, unfortunately, this year, Michelle, just did not get the grain sold. A lot of it had to do with the summer weather when the prices are up. I mean, we just didn't know if they were going to have a crop. In the east, the crop ended up being a lot better than what they thought. So some producers in the east have more bushels to market. And if you look at the fund position, they're incredibly short. What's interesting, if you look at the commercial hedge, the commercial position on the commitment traders report, the commercials are hardly short at all. And that's kind of strange for this time of year because normally they're carrying a big short position from all the hedges they have on, which tells us they just don't have a lot of grain bought. So I do think we are hopefully going to generate a rally. Maybe it's because they're fearful of corn acres not being there, the safrina crop. But the reality is we have to be realistic on the on what size of rally we're going to get because there is going to be a wall of selling, I got to believe, on this March contract from four seventy five all the way up to $5. It is going to take a lot to chew through all those bushels so farmers need to sell. And mind you, Michelle, the cost of money, it is so much more than it's been in the last 15 years. It's costing a farmer three and a half cents a month on interest fees only, even in the back, if they have it in their backyard. If they're storing in the elevator, those fees are even getting even more. So as that fee is starting to pile up, it's putting pressure on the farmer to move that grain sooner than later. So any rally, I think, unfortunately, I look for 20, 30 cents in that, I think ought to be sold relatively aggressively. And if you want to play the what if the summer's dry, maybe use the option market. And what about new crop? How much are you guys selling right now? Or is it too early to talk about this? I think you got to be looking to sell the new crop anywhere on a bounce near $5. The reality is this. You're talking a lot of people, early numbers are 91, 92 million acres of corn. If you get 91, 92 million acres of corn and you have anywhere close to a trend line yield, somewhere around 180, 
you're going to put your total production over 15 billion. Our demand's not there. I mean, our current demand for this year, Michelle, is around just what, right around 14.5, 14.5 and a half. So if you start talking a 15 billion bushel supply on this upcoming crop, add it on to the carryout we have, 2122, you're going to push that carryout to 25. Corn is not going to be at $5 next fall. It is going to be at four, if not lower. So if that rally materializes tomorrow and you have the opportunity, we're going to tell you to lay off that risk because we do think, unfortunately, there's a lot of downward risk with anywhere close to our normal crop this year. Is there less downside risk with soybeans because the balance sheet is tighter and we have maybe less soybeans in storage? I think there's a little bit less risk, but there's still going to be risk. And that, you know, how much risk that's going to be, unfortunately, we don't know, Michelle, until we see how South America crop is. And that could, you know, you got to keep that in mind. The Brazil crop's the headline. What's that crop going to be? But if you take the Brazil crop, you take the Argentina crop, you take the Paraguay crop, those are the three big exporters in South America. If you take those three crops together, I think they're totaling roughly around 217 million metric, or, you know, roughly 217 million metric tons. Previous record crop for those three countries, 196. So you can see South America has a big crop. Even if our acres are down, the world still may be flush with beans. Okay, so how much new crop are you selling right now? Or? I would get, I would sell rallies anywhere close to 12.50 on up, be pretty aggressive, start laying off that risk. All right, Jim, it is always fun to talk to you. I'm sure I'll see you down at Commodity Classic. Yes, we will be down there. So yeah, please, right. uh, we'll have to meet right. up. Right, and you guys have your big forum coming up here, your big conference uh, right around the yeah. corner, right? It is next weekend in Nashville. If anybody's interested, go to agmarket.net and you can still sign up. Okay, thanks so much, Jim McCormick with agmarket.net joining us here on AgriTalk. Tomorrow morning, Davis is moderating the Friday free-for-all with panelists Jim Wiesmeyer, Michelle Jones, and Chris Gibbs. And I will be back for AgriTalk PM. We'll be talking to Ted Seifert, Ted the Spread, Zaner Ag Hedge right here on AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Workin for Chip Flory. Have yourself a great day.